Well, hello and welcome to the... <laughs> Don't mock me. I didn't. You did. Prove it. Well, I can't right now because I'm the only one who can see you, <laughs> but you absolutely mocked me and my slightly Mrs. Doubtfire-esque. Hello. Hello. Well, welcome, guys, to a somewhat... Numberless episode. N- a numberless episode, Yeah. As you probably know, we are, well, you may know, you may not know, we're celebrating our 100th episode next week, which is very exciting. Uh, but we wanted to... But it happens to happens to fall on a Monday slash experiment episode. And we didn't want to waste it on that. Okay. So that's why we want it to be a Thursday episode. Hence the reason why this doesn't have a number. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Is that I, what we discussed? Yes. I feel like... <laughs> Siri, is that what we discussed? Thanks, Siri. Thanks for your input. Uh, yeah, so anyway, we wanted to first of all head back, I guess, to the very beginnings of the show. And we're going to take it all the way back to episode number one. There's a few reasons for that, as Ben went into great detail on. It's firstly due to a mathematical problem. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, But also, I'd like to go back and partly laugh at our super awkward beginnings. Like, they were, in my head, uh, they were bad. I have never actually listened to a full episode of the podcast because I don't like listening to my voice. But in my head, they were really bad. However, I think it's actually going to be quite fun going back and listening to the first ever episode. First of all, just, you know, laugh at our awkwardness, but also to see how far we've come. Mm. Uh, And I don't mean in terms of podcast quality. I mean, in terms of, (laughs) wow, we are kicking goals. Sorry, Sabelle. Brooke can't take your call at the moment. Sabelle, I will call you back real soon. So that's how you run a professional podcast, you see? <laughs> I do want to go back, though, and see how uh, how far we've come and how – I think more importantly than how far we've come, how much has changed in terms of the way we live our life. I think this year, and I've spoken about it a bit before, but this year has been a huge game changer for us and it, uh, in a, a big part because of the way we're living in a more slow <laughs> – intentional sort of way i laugh because today's does not feel particularly slow but also to see how much we have evolved what slow living means to us and i think this is something that's really important to me and something i'm really passionate about is showing that it's okay to change showing that it's okay to figure out what's important to you and make shifts to live more aligned with that i think people often come to this slow or simple living movement with a a fixed idea in their head of what that's going to mean to them and what that's going to look like in their their everyday life and when things shift or they find their circumstances changing and it requires a change they often feel uh, either frustrated by that or guilty about that and I think it's really important to just share with you guys that we have changed a lot and, you know, ideas that I had that I thought I was fairly set on, I've shifted on over the past 18 months. And 
I feel not only okay about that, but really positive about it because it's just showing how much we're learning about ourselves and what's important, don't you think? Exactly. Absolutely. Mm. So I think, I mean, yeah, part of it, part of the reason that we're, we're going back to episode one is to have a laugh. But also I do actually think that it'd be quite, quite interesting, interesting for people, particularly those of you. Within an experiment. Those of you who haven't been with the show for the whole time or maybe haven't gone back all the way back to episode number one, I feel like it might be a fun chance to kind of get to know at least, you know, me of 18 months ago. In fact, every hundredth episode, so the hundredth and then the two hundredth episode, we're going to revisit the first episode. Just go back. I feel like that's a terrible idea. Encourage people to listen to it again. No, we're not. We're We're really not. We are, however, going back to it right now. So please enjoy it. Please. Oh, actually, before before we go, we are recording for the 100th episode, which will be next Thursday. We are recording a hostful. We want it to be a fun kind of hostful with maybe some not necessarily slow living related questions. If you've got a weird question you want to ask us or something that you're just curious about, hit us up on Facebook, just slow your home on Facebook and leave us a a question or a comment there and we'll do our best to answer everyone's questions. We do already have some cracking good questions to answer. It'll be fun. It will be really really fun. Wanting to, if we can put it up on YouTube. Yeah. We're thinking of videoing it. Yeah, so it might, tell might us. Might be something different. Plus, I've got a key KPI, a key KPI, mm. an ATM machine, uh, a KPI <laughs> around other channels of communication. So, if I could tick this within the hundred episodes, that would be quite nice as well. Spoken like a true, true. communications professional. Uh, yeah, but we'll be back on Monday as normal with our uh, experiment episode. We're tackling our kindness challenge in September. And Thursday, it'll be hostful time. 100 episodes. Whoop, whoop. Enjoy number one. Enjoy the episode without a number. So here we are, the first ever discuss what would be the best podcast to start with and that was for your lovely husband to interview you your lovely wife my lovely wife (laughs) so we just thought that um to start things off um we thought that the listeners should get a better understanding of who brooke mccallery is and who slow your home is so, Brooke, why should people listen to you? In general or just my podcast? Why should, after this podcast, people subscribe to your podcast, to this podcast? I just want to have um, conversations with people about what slow and simple living is because I think people are really, people can get very confused about what they're meant to be doing when they slow down or simplify. And the, you know, the, the fact of the matter is it looks different for everybody and everybody has different reasons and different priorities. So I really just want to shine a light on different people living a slower, more intentional, simpler life 
and, um, and, and, and see what that looked like, how they got there, what they want to share with people, what they do differently, but also just get to know some really cool people. So you're, you're conscious that while you want to interview people within the minimalist and slow home sort of movements, if I can call them that, um, you're very conscious of um, interviewing um, and sharing people's stories that are not necessarily tied specifically into the movements. Yeah, exactly. Because not everyone identifies with being a minimalist or a simple living advocate or a slow home creator. Some people are just they're doing their thing, and it, it might they might call it something different. They might not call it anything at all. It's just their life. But there's a lot of people doing some really cool things that a lot of people who read my blog um, could could and would want to learn from. So I really just want to get to know them and their story and. Uh, you know, see see what we can uncover and, you know, share some laughs. And... Cool. Okay. How often do you think you'll do these podcasts? Once a week after this week, our big mm-hmm. launch week. We'll have a, a, a an episode every day, Monday to Friday of the first week. And uh, then it'll be every Thursday after that. And will um, how will people know about it? What do they need to do? Well, ideally, subscribe via iTunes. Um if uh, if you don't use iTunes, though, it will be available on Stitcher Radio as well, and also through the blog. Every time there's a new uh, a new episode, it will be listed on the blog, and you can either click through to iTunes from there or listen to it directly from my website. Excellent. Okay, so that's the logistics out of the way. Um, so tell us a little bit about you. About me. Why did you start? your blog and tell us a little bit about yourself and what people can expect from listening to this podcast and reading your blog. I started my blog, uh, Slow Your Home, back in 2011 um, after discovering the simple living movement. Uh, I went through, as you know, my husband, um, a really rough patch um, when our kids were born, I had really severe postnatal depression. And as part of my treatment, I started to read about simplifying life because life for us in the lead up to, to my, you know, my depression and everything that came with that life was ridiculously hectic for us. You know, we worked full time, but I ran a, a business and, you know, when, when, when our, our daughter was born, I stopped working in my full-time job, but kept running the business, which soon became a, a full-time job. But I was also parenting and looking after the house and doing all of the things that people tell you you should do because that's how you create a successful life where you you know can buy a bigger house or a new car or have nice clothes. And I was really caught up in that cycle of wanting the next thing, getting the next thing, realizing that thing wasn't the thing that I wanted and going for the next thing. So life was incredibly hectic, incredibly stressful, and it was almost all self-inflicted. So when uh, I, I was diagnosed with, with depression after our son was born... just Sorry, just can I interrupt you? Yes. What was the the moment, if you like, the the catalyst for this change? Can you Can you remember it? Because I can. <laughs> I'm nervous because I'm wondering if the same one that you're thinking <laughs> is the one that I'm going to say. Um, well, there was really two, I think, but 
I, I remember driving to my mum and dad's house when I was heavily pregnant with our son um, and I'd, I'd been burning the candle at both ends and in the middle for about an hour, an hour, a year or more. And uh, I remember driving to my parents' house and just getting out of the car and collapsing and saying, I, 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 I literally have nothing left. I can do nothing more. I'm exhausted. I'm, you know, beyond shattered, so overwhelmed and so stressed. And from that point on, I decided that I was going to um, to get rid of my business, close my business down. And from then on, you would think that things would get better. And they did for a little bit, but it wasn't until after our son was born that I really hit rock bottom, I think. But at least at that point, I knew that something needed to change. I just had no idea how to do it. Is that what you were thinking mm. of? Yeah, it was. And then receiving a call from you, um, just saying that, you know, uh, I need help. And, I, and then that night when I got home, I could, there was a noticeable difference in your face, I think. I th- uh, it was this sort of help me, um, I'm drowning face. And that equal parts scared me. But did uh, it was almost relief the fact that it was the watershed moment and the fact that you know we could finally talk about it at that level at that sort of oh it's almost like a, a medical met level isn't it really mm-hmm. um, and then we were able to you know get get you the right support and the support that you needed so after the the uh, diagnosis, if you like. Um, how did you turn it around? Uh, well, I got um, the help that I needed, first of all. You know, I went to doctors and went on medication and started seeing a counsellor and uh, that helped immensely and really quickly too. I was very fortunate that that helped really quickly. But as part of, I guess, my quest or journey, for want of a better word, to to start living a life that actually felt good um and that allowed me to be present and mindful and actually be engaged with our kids I started to read uh online just about people you know improving their lives in in different ways lots of different ways and I came across a lot of quackery and but one night I I stumbled upon and I have no idea how but it was um Leo Babauta's blogs and habits and that was really the start of my desire to simplify specifically and to really embrace the idea of living with less stuff. Because up until that point, I, did, I, I couldn't have even articulated it as a lifestyle choice, but I had no idea that there was a whole you know, subgroup of people in, in society who were choosing to live with less stuff and choosing to slow down and choosing to be intentional and choosing to say no and choosing to not compare themselves and try and keep up with the Joneses, all that sort of stuff. I, I just didn't know that that was a thing that people did. So that was really a light bulb moment for me. And from there I started um, writing and thinking about the ideas behind simplifying. And then I started, and I'm sure you can attest to this, I started decluttering like a woman possessed for a while. And that first year or two years, um, we decluttered over 20,000 things from our house. What um, felt like a lot, but... It really mm. wasn't. Mm. I, I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. But 
Mm. Like the average house has something like 250,000 items in it. So it was, it was 10%. Um, and we weren't hoarders, I don't think. We definitely weren't hoarders, but we were pretty typical, I think, in our accumulation of stuff. Like we had a two-car garage that our car didn't go into because it was full of boxes of God knows what. And we had a spare room that was just a storeroom. We, you know, we had hundreds of pieces of clothing and nothing to wear. Our kids had toys that they, they didn't play with. And it was not unusual. Our situation was not unusual in terms of the amount of stuff that we owned. But that was really that first 12 or 18 months is when I started to really start looking at the stuff that we owned and why we owned it and how much of it there was and how much of it we used or rather how much of it we didn't use. And that was really the first steps into simplifying life because I don't think that decluttering is – I don't think that simple living is only about decluttering at all. I think that's Mm. one of the first steps and it's a really necessary step for most people. But you can declutter and still have a very complicated, fast-paced, hectic life. And if that – you know, it's not not the same thing. And if people want to declutter and spring clean – and leave it at that, that's fine. But it's just, it's not the same thing as embracing simplicity as a lifestyle. I find it the, found the, the decluttering the easiest part because I was never really <laughs> a huge hoarder. Why are you laughing? I thought you were going to say because I was never really part of it. <laughs> well, I wasn't originally, but <laughs> um, as time went on, it's hard not to sort of get influenced by all the... Uh, all the materials just leaving the house, <laughs> bins full every week. But um, no, uh, I just found the, the decluttering the easiest part. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the it's the mindfulness and slowing down which I find easily the the hardest part of of sort of this simple way of living. Mm. Working where I work and what I do. Um, it is just in- incredibly difficult to be able to distance myself from that and from uh, the ideological position of sort of the slow movement. So that's that's the greatest challenge for me and an ongoing challenge. But it's something that um, I really admire you of you because you are you are really the the guiding force for for that. Yeah, I, I think that's something that. Um, is not uncommon, particularly... I mean, I'm fortunate that I'm at home. Um, I work from home and I'm at home with the kids. So it's not as big a change for me to... uh, Particularly because what I work in and what I work on, what I write about and think about all the time is this idea of slowing down and getting more mindful and more intentional. So it's it's a natural state of things for me to be in that that sort of frame of mind whereas for you working in the work that you do and the environment that you work in it's it's you couldn't get much different much more different than than those two things I think so I think that's something that um is really common that people uh struggle to to change hats between you know quote-unquote regular everyday working life and then trying to to shift their home life into this slower more mindful space and um you know i don't have a, an answer for 
how to do that. But I think it's something that we need to talk about a lot, mm. how to start embracing this slowing down and, you know, intentional kind of mindset in the workplace. I mean, and that's not going to happen overnight, but I think it's something that we need to, to think about. Well, it's definitely easy today. We've got a very wet <laughs> Easter weekend, pouring with rain and Brooks on a tea and I'm drinking a beer. Um, so quite easy at the moment. So more on your story, when did, so we haven't really put a, a stake in the ground. When did all this happen? When did you, when did you start writing? My blog. Mm, Cause that's what, that's the next sort of it was milestone. 2011. Um, I'd been dabbling in lots of different writing, um, projects before that. I used to have a blog for my my business and previous to that, but this was really the first time I'd sat down and, and started to write about a particular topic. And it was 2011 that I really got serious with it. I think there was there's probably some posts looking back on an old blog um, that relate to slowing down and simplifying in, from 2010, but it's pretty much, it's been four years-ish. And what have you done in those four years? On the blog? What do you think you've achieved? Um, uh, oh, honestly, I don't like um, thinking about numbers and that sort of stuff, but it's the blog's reached a, a lot of people, a lot. Um, and every week I get emails from people saying thank you for helping them in either dealing with the clutter and the complications and the, the stresses in their life or for helping them with a specific issue. Um, yeah, I've received some really incredibly emotional emails and, and uh, messages from people who have read the blog, some of them long-time readers and some of them people who had just stumbled across it a day or two before and, and quite often they'll say, you know, I've spent the last two days reading the archives and it's like you're writing for me. Um, so, the, I mean, the, the blog's going from strength to strength. It's I feel like I'm part of a, a really wonderful community of simple simplicity and minimalism writers of which there's a growing number which is so exciting every week I feel like I'm, I'm finding new blogs and new websites of people who are on a similar journey different maybe a different catalyst or their, their situations are different but they're writing about slowing down and simplifying and you know getting back to what's important and I think the more people who write about it and talk about it the better for all of us because it's just getting the, the word out there um, but I've also, I wrote a, uh, an ebook a couple of years ago about creating rituals and rhythms to simplify life. And that's sold incredibly well. Um, yeah. Amazon top. Don't make me say it because I can't remember. <laughs> did it ever get number one of the self-help book? Uh, I, I think so. In a couple yeah. of the, the categories it did. So that's the blog. What, what other space are you in in terms of social media and what are you doing there? Uh, well, I, you know, all the, the, the major social media platforms, I'm on Twitter and uh, Pinterest and Facebook. I have a really great community on Facebook, both for the blog, it's just the, the Slow Your Home page, but also a there's a, a group called the Annual Declutter Challenge group on Facebook, which I started just over, uh, it was so it was January last year, January 2014, I started it to coincide with a workbook that I created which helped people declutter month by month and it takes them through 
different areas of their homes and different projects to to simplify each of those areas throughout a 12-month period. So I started the Facebook group to help support people who were reading and working through that book. And I honestly didn't think that it would amount to a great deal. But at the moment, we have just over 9,000 members in the group. And it is genuinely one of the the kindest and most open-minded groups that I've ever been involved in. And I know Facebook mm. has a pretty rubbish reputation for you know, groups of people getting together and just being mean to each other. But mm. it's very much not the case with, with our group. It's a, yeah, a really, really cool thing to be a part of. And for the most part, I just, I'm able to sit there and watch people help each other, which is really, yeah, it's really exciting to see. And, you know, I've been able to watch people's progress from the beginning. Um, they, they'll come in and they download the, the workbook and get started and they'll post progress photos and, questions and updates and through a period of six or 12 months I can see their lives change mm. it's and that has been really rewarding I remember the the time when um well, a year or so ago now that um you were very very happy one day when I got home and you was you know you said that I asked you what why are you so happy not that you're not normally happy <laughs> but why are you why are you very happy this afternoon? He said, well, the, the, the group is self-moderating. It's actually, they're actually helping one another. And, you know, I think that's, that from that point, it was, um, you know, it's, it's turned into something really, really positive and credit, credit to you for building that community. Um, so what's next? Well, listeners, you know, that are sort of um, tuned in, what can they expect um, over the next, the coming years, what's your goals, aspirations? That is a good question. Um, I, I've got lots of ideas, but uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, ideas have never been my problem. It's what I, what I want to see um, for myself, I guess, but also for the the simple living movement at large is just uh, a. a broader awareness of the benefits of you know living with less and opting out of modern you know consumerism and all of all of that kind of stuff but um for me i I, what i'd love to do is start traveling more and and speaking to people more and helping people in a more hands-on and a personal way to you know create a create a life that is in line with what they want from life rather than you know trying to because uh, what I, I find people will live the life that they absolutely have to during the week because that's what life requires of them. You know, they've got school, they've got work, they've got meetings and emails and, you know, housework and everything to, to kind of squeeze into their Monday to Friday. And then on the weekends they try so desperately to fit in the stuff that they want to be doing and the things that are priorities that it actually starts to feel like a an extension of their to-do list. So what I'd love is to help people create a life where they don't have to do that, where life sort of flows in a way that is in keeping with what they want from life and whether or not that's, you know, a matter of simplifying or slowing down or both or, you know, a combination of of that and other things, what I'd love to do is help people. But what I also am really mindful of is I don't want to tell people what to do. Hmm. Um, That's... Whatever I end up doing, I don't want to be prescriptive in telling people 
how to how to change their life, if that makes sense. I, mean, I don't. People have often asked me if I would consider being a um, like a decluttering uh, coach or an organization coach, um, and the short answer is no, I wouldn't, because I I I just don't think that it's doing people a huge service by doing things for them. And I know that a coach, that's not what a coach does, but um, particularly people who are like, oh, I'd pay you to come and you know declutter my house. Unfortunately, I don't think that helps. No. Because I know from our experience, there's stuff that I, I just had to work through the emotional attachments and the sentimentalities and stuff in order to let it go myself. And you can't do that work for people. You can't make those decisions for people. And if you tell them what to do and they do it, and it turns out that six months later they really regret that decision, then that's on you. You know, it's it's something that it's a very personal, a personal... Um, Such an emotive yeah. um, thing to do and engage in, I think. Yeah, and that's the thing. You have to engage in it. Mm-hmm. Someone cannot tell you, cannot give you a list of things and say, this is all you need, get rid of everything else. It's just not the way that I see it anyway. I know there's plenty of other people who, who are really successful and really do help people, but that's just not the way that it works for me. Mm. So I don't think that really answered your question. (laughs) But interesting nonetheless. What, um, so what do you want to do? um, I know that you've mentioned on your blog, what do you want to do with Bloom? The community? Yeah. I hadn't mentioned it on my blog. (laughs) So... I guess that's what you would... Cats out the bag, yeah. <laughs> that's what you were getting at with your last question, I know. Yeah. Um, so part of part of that and part of wanting to build a community of people who are like-minded and have similar goals is that I'm going to launch a community site called The Bloom. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Which I've been working on for quite a long time and it's... it's that's why. That's right. Ben pushes me into things, folks. No, he doesn't. Um, <laughs> I've been working on it for, for quite a long time. And it's a, a community membership site that you'll be able to join. And as part of that, we'll have um, forums and weekly calls where you can dial in to a video call and ask questions and just touch base and let us know how you go and get the support that you need. But the the meat of the, the site is a whole heap of resources that help you get into the slowing down and simplifying process and work through that. Uh, things like video courses and workbooks and, um, um, you know, interviews with people who have been there before and people who are experts in certain areas that, uh, you know, can offer insight into specific projects and areas of life that you probably want to, to work to simplify but don't know where to start. So I want to bring all of that together and create a community of people who are like-minded and um, looking for that extra level of support in um, in slowing down and simplifying. So that's that's a lot. We've got a, you've got a lot on. I do a lot on in 2015. So there's a lot to look forward to. I think you've come a long way, but I think you're really at uh, the community is at that sort of point where. It's really about to explode. I, I really feel that the the movement, if we want to still call it a movement, is in its infancy in Australia. I know that you have quite a lot of people that follow you and uh, are more engaged over in America, mm-hmm. states and, and in Europe to some extent. But um, 
there's very few, I think, Australians in this space. Um, and not to say the ones that are, that are in there doing a good job, but I think that, you know, it's really at a point now where there's, there'll be just a lot more people wanting to be involved in this type of um, thinking yeah, I think there's a, a really good handful of people in Australia who write some excellent blogs, a couple of published authors who have written about different aspects of simple living. Um, and I think there's, yeah, like you said, minimalism and simplicity, they're having a, they're having a moment right now. And that's mm. not just here in Australia, but more actually more specifically over in the States. I feel like it's starting to tip over into if not a mainstream thing, but at least an awareness in the mainstream of the ideas behind simplicity and, and you know, slowing down. And to me, that can only be a good thing. It, it's really exciting to see. Um, just last week or a couple of weeks ago, uh, Time magazine wrote about the boys from the minimalists. And yeah. that, you know, that kind of stuff just... it. People aren't going to write about you in Time magazine if you're not appealing to a great chunk of the of the population. So the fact that they're getting that kind of that kind of um, media coverage is it's it's really exciting, and I feel like in Australia, uh, and the bloom is not just for Australians or Americans; it's it'll be an international community. Um, but yeah, I feel like in Australia, we're we're just coming into the the time now where we're beca- we're we're becoming aware of the fact that the life we've been sold is not necessarily giving us the the results that we thought we would. Mm. you know that the happiness or the contentment that we thought we would get when we were sold this life of you know big mortgages new cars wardrobes full of clothes um you know lots of opportunities and being involved in everything and never having any downtime um i feel like yeah we're we're ready to maybe shift away from that a little bit i think it was that the minimalist boys tour in uh, late last year when they came over and did their well they did their world tour but when mm-hmm. they were here that that for me that was the sort of tipping point was like we were at that the Sydney Uni auditorium uh, and it was a packed so they had mm-hmm. two sessions and they were both packed but that was the moment where I'm like wow you know there is so many people here to hear about this message and it was the most diverse room of people I've ever seen. Um, you know, eighty to eight. It was, wasn't it? It, it was. was. Just, you know, that that for me was sort of the the big eye opening moment um, on how big this thing is is has got and and will get. I think in in the coming years. So I think that's sort of enough about. Um, you in this blog and and uh, this podcast and I'm just thinking whether we want to take the opportunity now to get a little bit get the, the listeners to know a little bit more about you yourself okay and or whether you wanted to save that for another podcast I don't feel like I'm a particularly interesting person so I won't take it too long okay in 30 words or less describe yourself uh I'm a mother, a wife, a writer. I, I'm not counting, but um, I enjoy drinking red wine and watching The Walking Dead and reading a lot. Love travel. Canada's my favourite place in the world. And... Just as a whole, Canada? The Rockies. Mm-hmm. 
yeah. I would I would I would be a full time traveller if I could. Where'd you meet your husband? <laughs> uh we met at, in primary school. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not creepy. No. Not creepy. Um we met it when we were like eleven, but didn't really know each other until we ended up doing the same course at university and developed a mutual secret crush on each other and that was that was really it. Yeah. And the rest is history. As they say. Okay, cool. Um, well, I think that I think that's a, a pretty good opening podcast. We'll probably do quite a few of these, but mm-hmm. I thought you know it would be for the first one just to give a bit of an overview and um, um, many more to come. So this is the the first podcast. Yeah. So subsequent episodes this week we'll have a couple of really really good interviews coming up and uh yeah looking forward to it thank you for joining us thank you enjoy your camera of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening.